several weeks ago on Easter Sunday, um, I, I read to you from uh, the book of Mark where Jesus was talking to us. And, um, and what we learn is that Jesus had gone into the wilderness and he had gone through uh, the process of temptation. And at the, at the end of that period of temptation, uh, the Bible says that as was his custom, he, he went to the synagogue. That's what he ordinarily did. He would go to the synagogue. And, um, and the Bible said that on this particular day, as was his custom, that he did something extraordinary. He did something that he didn't ordinarily do. That he went to the front and he called for the scroll. They would have a scripture reading every, every time they came to the synagogue. That he went to the front and he called for the scroll and uh, they gave it to him, and it just happened to be that the reading on that day was from Isaiah chapter 61. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but on Easter Sunday, we looked at that passage of Scripture, and we unpacked Isaiah 61. did the entire room. It would have shifted everyone that was in the room. In fact, they were so shocked by what Jesus said that day uh, that the Bible says that Ultimately, they rejected him and they ran him out of town because they were so shocked by what he said. And you may recall that on Easter Sunday, as we read that, I explained to you that Jesus, quoting from Isaiah 61, would have been one of those moments in the life of everyone who would have been in that room that would have been utterly shocking because Jesus... As he was quoting from Isaiah 61, he was specifically quoting from the Messianic prophecies that would have been written on the heart of every Jewish person. In every Jewish person would have been this uh, understanding that one day deliverance was going to come. And if you recall on Easter Sunday, we talked about the fact that Jesus got up and he, when he read from Isaiah 61, he specifically read that the day of the Lord was sort of a, a Sabbath of Sabbath of Sabbaths. It was the ultimate, the year of Jubilee was the ultimate Sabbath. It was the Sabbath year where God basically said to his people, I'm going to be your God. I'm going to be your provision. And this entire year, you're not going to work. You're not going to do anything. You're going to let the land rest. You're going arrest and in this entire year I'm going to take care of you I'm going to show you what it's like to be my people I'm going to show you what it's like to live as I intended you to live in the Garden of Eden. And so when Jesus got up on that day and he broke into the routine, much like we're breaking into our routine, when he got up and broke into the routine and said, now let me tell you, let me read this to you. And after he read it to them, he said, now this has been fulfilled today in your presence. And if you and I would have been there that day, we, we've all seen these moments when they happen, when a, when a crowd is in a room and something shocking happens and there's a collective gasp, you know, <gasps> I can't believe that happened. That would have happened that day. When he said that, everyone in the room would have been like, wait a minute, what is this guy talking about? Because pent up within every Jewish per person would have been this collective longing and this collective dread and this collective heaviness that they had been carrying for years and years and years as they were waiting for the Messiah. And in this moment, Jesus said, I am that Messiah and I'm here to bring you, I'm here to bring you into the fullness and the completeness of what God has for you. We talked about that on Easter Sunday and as we as we talked about it, I, I just haven't been able to get it out of my heart and out of my spirit. 
And uh, for the last couple of weeks, the Lord has just continued to speak to me. And I, I wanted to talk to you out of Isaiah chapter 61 again today. And, and I wanted to share something with you that I believe is a word of the Lord for, for you as an individual. But I also believe it's a word of the Lord for us as North Place Church. If you recall on, also on, on uh, Mother's Day, Pastor Amy uh, spoke that day. And she also spoke from the book of Isaiah. She read from Isaiah chapter 40. And, you know, there are times when, I don't know if this happens to you, but there are times for me when a, a preacher or a speaker says something and there's a certain phrase or a certain thing that they say and it just sticks in your head or it kind of sticks in your heart. Have you ever had one of those moments? When Pastor Amy started her message, she, she read from Isaiah chapter 40 and it, start, it started, comfort comfort my people. Do you remember that? And, and as she began her message, she just, she made a little statement. And when, since she made that statement, it just kind of imprinted on my heart, and I haven't been able to get away from it. She said the reason that Isaiah the prophet wrote comfort, comfort, is to add a double stress to that. And she said it's because sometimes God's people refuse to be comforted. Do you remember when she said that? Whenever she said that, it just like, it just like landed in me. And over the last several weeks, as those words have just echoed in my heart and my spirit, I've kind of felt like, God, that's exactly, that's exactly where I'm at. I'm just at a place where I just can't even, I can't be comforted. Uh, several weeks ago, we began to announce that we were moving to this building we announced that God had done a miracle and provided uh, the resources for us to make a cash purchase of this building, which is an unbelievable, incredible miracle that is beyond my comprehension. Literally, I'm not exaggerating to you. In December uh, 1st of January, I was like, God, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know where we're going to go. I don't know what's next. And then God just does this unbelievable miracle and provides provision for us to buy this building. But that process of buying the building and going through all the stuff, I don't know if you've ever tried to buy anything here before. It's crazy town, man. I mean, we had cash money and we couldn't get people to sell the building to us. We couldn't get the paperwork to go through. It was nuts. I've never been through such a beating in my life when I had so much money in the bank. Because you think having the money makes the problems go away. Right? Come on, everybody in this room, you think, if I just had more money, all my problems would go away. We all feel that way sometimes. And I had felt that way. I thought, man, Lord, if you just give us the money, everything. We had the money, and we couldn't get it to go through. And it was like I was getting beat up every day, every day, every day, every day. And we go through this season, and, and, then, and then it goes through. The, the purchase goes through. It's praise the Lord. And it's like, okay, we're going to move over to this new building uh, with the regulations the way they are. We're gonna, we got plenty of room. We're gonna, it's going to be wonderful. We started planning this big party and then the president I love the president of this country I pray for the president of this country as God commands us to but man I'm to a place where old boy when he says he's going to talk to us I get upset <laughs> two weeks ago I don't know about you, I left church, I was hyped, it was good. The next, the following week, which was last Sunday, it was like, we're going to party, we're gonna, oh, it's going to be great. Second service people are going to be with first service because I always brag on y'all how well y'all worship and everything. I'm like, it's going to be good. By the way, I just want you to know, they're doing really well, by the way. <laughs> I don't, you must have talked to them because they're pretty fire right now. 
So anyways, I was like, it's going to be good. And then my News 24 app, right in the middle of lunch, starts going off. And then uh, my, my, my wonderful pastoral team starts sending me WhatsApp messages. And I'm like, oh, man. You know exactly what I'm talking about. This dread just starts settling in. Right? And I'm like, this is the last thing we want to hear. We've fought. We've struggled. We've been through this. And here we go again. Sure enough, sure enough, uh, our dear president got on the TV and he told us, third wave is here. We got to go from level one back to level two. And all of these plans, everything that we had been working on, everything we've been working toward, the momentum we had gained, it was like, oh my goodness, it's all going out the window. And we go through this process and, and as the week was going on, we were like, we're going to stay positive. God's still going to bless, still going to do things. But this just, this dread just settles into my heart and spirit. And what, what I started feeling like was, you know what, this, is, this has been indicative of my entire year, right? It's like we take one step forward, something good happens, and then we take two steps back. I'm so happy to have a big stage. I'm a, it's probably going to be a while before I settle down. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell you. That's why we don't have cameras right now because those guys could not follow me because I'm just going to run back and forth. And I was like, this is exactly, this, is, this, is, this has been my entire year. It's like every time something good happens, then two things bad happen. And I'm just, oh, I'm just tired of it. I just can't take it anymore. I'm overwhelmed by how I feel. It's just like grief has settled in. And, and Pastor Amy's words just kept echoing in my ear because no matter how many good things would happen, no matter how hard people worked, no matter what did, I just refused to be comforted. By the way, I want to say thank you to every person who worked so hard to make last week happen. Wasn't that a beautiful time of celebration? Some of you served so hard and I can't help but tell you how grateful I am and how much we appreciate it. People were so blessed last week because of your effort and thank you for that. But I'll be honest with you, in spite of how hard you worked, no matter how good the ice cream was last Sunday, I've just been in this funk no matter how many good things, no matter what good news came, it was just like something inside of me is like, yeah, but what's coming next, right? That's the good news. Where's the bad news? Because I know it is coming. Again, the Lord reminded me of Isaiah chapter 61 where Jesus, Jesus took this moment in time and he interrupted the humdrum flow of they go to the synagogue every week on the Sabbath like they do. The Bible specifically says this was his routine, this was his habit, that's what good little Jews did. They went to the synagogue every week. He interrupted their everyday routine and he said, let me interrupt this and let me, let me give you a word that's going to change the routine. And he pulled out the scroll and he began to read. And he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He said, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom, I love this, freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. 
I, I preached that a few weeks ago on Easter, so I'm not going to really preach that message. But then he says this. He says, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Jesus said, I've come to release the, Lord, the, the year of the Lord's favor. In other words, I've come to bring jubilee. I've come to, bring, uh, I've come to change your state, of, your, your state of being. I'm bringing jubilee to you, and I'm going to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. The year of jubilee, you remember, is all about us living in the provision of God. We no longer have to, we no longer have to scrape and claw and toil and try to make it happen ourselves. It literally is a reversing of the Genesis chapter 3 curse. If you've got to understand that, where God cursed the lamb, and he cursed the woman, and he cursed the man, and he said, By, through your pains you're going to give birth. And through your toil, you're going to produce fruit. Literally, you've got to understand this. Jesus said, I'm reversing the curse. I'm bringing you back to Eden. I'm bringing you back to provision where it's not all on your shoulders anymore. Then get this. Get this. He says, listen, not only am I going to bring the year of Jubilee, but here's what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to do three things. For all of those who grieve in Zion. Now last week we talked about we are people who are, we are this, the Bible literally calls us the city of God. Zion is an important concept in scripture and it means that's the city of our God. It's where God's people dwell. It's where our residency is. We may be aliens in a foreign land, but our residency is in Zion. And God called us, we heard it last week, God called us to be, the pe be his people, be his citizens in the city because we are the people of his city. And he says, so the people of my city, Jesus says, I'm coming to establish your residency or your identity as people of my city. And here's what I'm going to say to you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to wipe away the ashes and I'm going to replace the ashes on your head with a crown of, I'm in a beautiful, beautiful crown, crown of righteousness, a crown of peace. See, here, you got to get this. God's people, the people who would have been there that day when Jesus read from Isaiah 61 and when Isaiah prophesied, the people would have understood this in a way that you and I don't understand this. See, in the Jewish culture, in that, in that, in that culture, in that part of the world, in that time, when people went through calamity, when they went through a disaster, when they had heartbreak, when something terrible happened in their life, or when they had fallen into sin, they had a practice. They would, they would go into a season of grieving, and in that season of grieving, they would put ashes on their head. They literally would put ashes on their head. And the purpose of that was to demonstrate outwardly what was going on inwardly. I am undone. I am at the end of myself. I am incapable of handling this moment. I am grieving. I am broken. And so they would wear those ashes on their heads. So everywhere they went, they were telling people, I'm a broken person. I'm a person who's in grief. I'm a person who is mourning. And so when I 
Isaiah prophesied to those people. And when Jesus read the prophecy, he was literally saying, I am a God. I am a God who is incarnate. And I have come to take away the ashes that's on your head. And I've come to put a crown of joy instead on your head. I've come to change. I've come to change your identity. Somebody needs to hear this today. Grief is a season. It was never meant to be your identity. For a year, one step forward, two steps back. For over a year now. When you read Isaiah 61, you got to understand these were real life people. These were people who had been subjugated. These were people who had been oppressed. These were people who were in slavery. These were people who physically, economically, socially, emotionally had been broken in every way possible. Their identities had completely been stolen. Their dignity did not exist anymore. And so when Jesus breaks into the room, when he breaks into the moment, when he interrupts the routine, he says, listen, I'm about to change. I'm about to change your dignity. I'm about to change your circumstances. I'm about to change your situation. You've been walking around with ash on your head telling everybody, I'm broken, I'm broken, I'm broken, I'm grieving, I'm grieving, I'm grieving, I'm overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed I'm overwhelmed Jesus said I'm breaking into your situation and I'm gonna wipe that stuff off and I'm gonna put a crown on your head how many of you ever heard of the comic strip Charlie Brown mom used to say her to Charlie Brown she's remember the character what's going on with Randy but but he Randy is like the character Pigpen do you remember the character Pigpen if you don't remember the character Pigpen, he was the, and everybody, you know, when I describe it, you're going to know it. Everybody has one of these people in their life, and I was, I was this person. Everywhere the, the character Pigpen is, you, when, when, the, when the cartoonist would draw him, there would, be like, there would be like lines around him with flies and stuff like this because there was just dirt everywhere that he went. He was just, the, he was the kid who got dirty in all circumstances, Right? And my mom would say that about me. She said, she would say, Randy, I don't, it's uncanny no matter what we do. We give him a bath and we leave the house and we walk through our yard on the concrete out to the car. And by the time we get to the car, he'll be dirty again. And, and we would go to church, we would go to the store. And, and I bet you this happened to some of you because some of you, this probably happened to you too. My mom would always do this. <laughs> Did that happen to you? Let me straight, honey, let me get that hair right now. Let me straighten that up. Let me do for you what you seem to be incapable of doing for yourself. And, all, and as I was reading this and as I was contemplating, that image was just in my mind. Oh, when my mom would, she would take, uh, she would just wipe my, because my hair was crazy. I, the reason I keep all this product in my hair, because if I didn't, it would just be. She would just, and I think she, I, I do, I think I need therapy, Sarah, because I think her trying to straighten my hair out all the time is what did this to me now. Now that I'm thinking about it, this is a breakthrough moment for me. I'm going to have a fro in a couple weeks. I'm going to be free. Okay, so she, she would just take, and she would just clean me up. She would say, honey, let me get this for you. Let me straighten this mess up. When Jesus quoted from Isaiah, he was saying, 
He was saying, look, I'm going to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. You've been walking around in ashes as a state of being. It was meant to be a season. It was never meant to be your identity. Look, I know, I know, I know, I know this year has been hard. I know for some of you, it's been more than one year. I know for some of you, it may have been decades. I've been watching some of you go through some garbage for the last several years. I know you're hurting. I know you're in pain. But hear the word of the Lord. Jesus is saying to us today, it was never meant to be your identity. It's okay to walk around in ash every once in a while, but it's not every day. It's not supposed to be all year, every year. It was never supposed to be who you were. Some of us have embraced the identity of grief as if it was who God created us to be. It is not who God created us to be. I believe he's broken into this service this morning to say to you and to say to me, that's not your identity. Your identity is child of God. Your identity is child of the Most High King. Let me take that ash off your head and let me put the crown there where it belongs. Jesus... As he's quoting from Isaiah 61, he says, not only, not, not only am I going to take that crown off their head, but I'm going to give the oil of joy instead of mourning. See, when in their day, in their time, if, if I was having a celebration or if I was having a wedding, if I was having a gathering... This is how we'd do it. We'd be, we'd, I'd have people standing at that door back there. And when you came in, here's what I, I would want to make sure that the atmosphere was right. And I would want to make sure, I would want to make sure that the moment was right. I would want to make sure that no matter what you brought with you, you weren't going to ruin the moment. That you weren't going to ruin the atmosphere. So here's what I would do. Because I love you and because I love my other guests and I care about you, here's what I would do before. As you were, you were coming into the room, I, I'd say, let me get that for you. And then I'd take a bottle of perfume and I'd, I'd pour it over your head. This literally would happen at every party, at every celebration, at every gathering. They'd take the oil and they would pour it on their head. That way they would make sure that no one would have the stink of the outside in that moment of celebration. So I'd take that perfume and I would pour it on your head. That way, no matter what you were carrying with you, no matter what you brought in with you, no matter what came, no matter what mess you were coming out of, we were all gonna, we were all gonna have the atmosphere, the smell of joy and celebration. And so as the host of the party, I would make sure that we all enjoyed the perfume of victory, that we enjoyed the perfume of peace, that we enjoyed the smell of joy and freedom. And this is what Jesus says, everyone in that room that day, when he got up and he read the scroll would have understood exactly what he was talking about. We lose it because we're in a different culture and a different time. But Jesus is saying to everyone in that room, I never intended for you to carry with you all the time the stink of despair. I never carried, I never intended for it to be your identity so that everyone around you would smell the brokenness on you all the time. Jesus said, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pour on you the oil joy and it's going to change the atmosphere and here's what is you got to get this if you went to a party those perfumes were so strong those oils were so strong if you went to a party after you left everywhere you went people would have known you've been at a celebration they would be able to smell on you 
the fragrance of peace. They would be able to smell on you the joy of the party. They would be able to know the atmosphere. Every, those perfumes were so strong that everywhere you went, everyone would have known. You think about when Jesus was anointed before he went to the cross. Uh, so many times we miss that as, as people who are so far removed from that time in history. We don't understand that all the way to the cross, everyone, everyone, the crowd that was around him as he, as he was carrying that cross, everyone would have smelled on him already the perfume of victory. He already had, when they were hanging him on that cross, everyone who was there that day as he was being beaten and broken and bruised would have been like, what is, what is wrong with this situation? He's being beaten. He's being falsely accused. He's about to be nailed to a cross, but it doesn't smell like brokenness here. It doesn't smell like defeat here. It smells like victory. <laughs> Jesus said, that's exactly what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to change the atmosphere around you. And he said, not only am I going to do that, but I, I'm going to give you the garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. Now, if I invited you to the party, here's what I would also be required of me as a host. I would have, I would have a garment for everyone who walked in the room. I would have a garment for everyone who walked in the room. I would have a special kind of garment because, again, the garment represented the identity and it set the tone, it set the mood. And, and here's what I would do. It didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter where you came from. It didn't matter what your status was in life. It didn't matter what you were going through. When you came through the room, I would have said, okay, stop, stop for a second. Let me take that cloak that you brought with you. Let me take that off of you and let me put on you the garment for the party and the part the, the the, the garment would have been a demonstration. It would have been brightly colored. It would have been festive. It would have said to the room that we're here to jo be in joy. We're here to party. And here's the beauty of it is it doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're going through brokenness. It doesn't matter if you just had someone die in your family. It doesn't matter if you're tall or if you're short. It doesn't matter if you're skinny or you're fat. It doesn't matter if you're diseased. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Everybody at the party would have had a garment that said, we're here for victory. We're here to celebrate. And this is what Jesus is saying to that room that day. He's saying, everybody who's a citizen of Zion, I've got a garment for you. It levels the playing field. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your identity was outside of the city, inside of the city, you're in my kingdom. Inside of the city, your identity is one of celebration. It is one of joy. It is one of peace. It is one of victory. When Isaiah the prophet wrote, or when his prophecies were written down, and they were declared to the people, peop these were people who were in oppression, they were in brokenness, they were in slavery, they had had everything robbed and stolen from them. If you continue to read Isaiah 61, God specifically says, he's a God, I'm a God who loves justice, I'm after justice. These were people who had experienced every kind of injustice they could have possibly experienced. 
And so when Isaiah the prophet spoke to them and said, God, God is going to do something that's going to change things. He was talking to people who had every right and every reason to grieve, every right and every reason to be depressed and stressed and overwhelmed and anxious. People who had every right to give up and quit. And yet he says there's a promise and the promise is that a Messiah is coming. And then when Jesus got up and he he began to read from Isaiah 61 again, these were people who had been subjugated by Rome. These were people who had been oppressed. These were people who were in brokenness and right in the middle of it, Jesus Jesus said, I'm changing everything. Listen, the the teacher, the preacher in me would love to get up here and give you seven keys to getting over your anxiety. I'd love to give you five steps to overcoming your grief. I'd love to give you, you know, six whatever to getting over what the, the, the funk that you're in. And I kept reading this passage and I kept studying I kept praying over and over and over and over. And the Lord said, Randy, you're you're missing it completely. I said, God, what do you mean? He said, look, read it again. The promise is that I'm going to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. If you read Isaiah 61, this isn't about Randy pulling himself up by his bootstraps and just getting over it. This isn't about Randy with his secret sauce to overcoming his funk. The promise is that Jesus says, I'm going to interrupt the moment and I'm going to bring to you what you could never give yourself. I'm going to interrupt the moment and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wipe that ash off your head. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt your brokenness. And I'm going to bring joy to you in the battle. I'm going to bring joy to you in the moment. I'm going to provide what you don't have inside of you. And I'm going to take that, that garment off of you. I'm going to invite the worship team to come right now. I'm going to take that garment off of you. And I'm going to replace it with one of praise. I've read this my whole life. I've heard it preached a million times. Preached it a few times myself. And always the mindset was, well, I have to. I have to pull myself up by my boot. I have to take off my heaviness. And I have to put on my praise, right? But when I read Isaiah 61, when I read from the book of Mark where Jesus read this prophecy, it it said nothing about what I was going to do. It said everything about what he was going to do. I am going to replace the ashes with a crown. I am going to anoint you. I am going to exchange your garment of heaviness. I'm going to give you a new identity in this room. There are some of you who are just like me. You, you've been in a funk, probably most of us. And it's heavy and it hurts. The problem is, is we've embraced it as our identity instead of understanding that it's just a season. It's not your identity. Your grief is not your identity. It's not your identity. It's okay that it's been a season, honey, but it's not your identity. 
God didn't create you for this. He didn't design you for this. He didn't create you and design you for you to walk around in despair all the time. He didn't create and design you to walk around in a state of grief and undoneness all the time. And he loved us so much, just as he loved his people, that he invaded the moment of their grief, of their despair, of their brokenness, of their undoneness. And he said, let me do for you what you can't do for yourself. I'm gonna invite you to stand with me right now. I'm gonna ask the worship team to lead us in this song again. And I believe what the Lord wants to do for us today is he wants to, he wants to give us an exchange. He wants to give us an exchange. Some of us have embraced an identity that we were never meant to carry. We've embraced a state of being, of heaviness, that God says is not for you. And today he's inviting you and he's inviting me to receive from him this gift. Just like, just like a guest would come to a party, he's got a gift for you as you come through the door. He wants to make an exchange. He wants to change the way you think. He wants to change the way you see the world. He wants to change what you're wearing on your head. He wants to change the aura around you, the atmosphere that you carry, the attitude that you project to everybody around you at play, at work, at home. He wants to change it. He wants to anoint your head with oil. wants to put his garment of praise on you. He's going to give you a praise. It's not something you have to produce. He said, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. The only thing that's left is for us to receive what he's offering to us today. Can we worship him one more time? Come on, worship team. He's a grace when Let's sing it, church.
child, one that walks in joy and peace and strength. Lord, I thank you today for this great exchange. I thank you for doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And I thank you that it's a work of the Holy Spirit 